Hello and welcome to the Three Donkeys Podcast. My name is Tyler Bielman. I'm here with Scaff Elias. Hello. And Richard Garfield. Hello. And uh, we're here to talk to you about some news of the week in, as it pertains to table games. And then we're going to go into a conversation about... Hello and welcome to the Three Donkeys Podcast. My name is Tyler Bielman. I'm here with Scaff Elias. Hello. And Richard Garfield. Hello. And uh, we're here to talk to you about some news of the week in, as it pertains to table games. And then we're going to go into a conversation about uh, cooperative games, Dungeons and & Dragons, and things of that nature. But first, um, right off the bat, you know, you can't talk about tabletop games without talking about what's going on with uh, Konami and Upper Deck as it pertains to the giant trading card game Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, Apparently, everything's been sorted out to a degree. Upper Deck has stopped uh, saying they're going to publish anything. They've stopped their organized play, and, they've, and they're being accused by Konami of actually printing counterfeited cards through a shell company called Vintage Sports Collectibles, um, which is all very interesting. And, and as, that, as Yu-Gi-Oh! goes away, they'll have to look for other businesses like the World of Warcraft Miniatures uh, and this new Huntic TCG that is coming out. And... Uh, Huntick, I don't know the ratings on Huntick. Does anybody know how well that TV show does? As we all know, TV shows are very important. I, no, no idea. But no, they, I, they also have the World of Warcraft trading card game, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I know nothing about Huntick. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's, it's debuting this week, and uh, it seems to be a, yeah, it's a zonal-based game where you're moving guys forward in a zone and one guy has an objective of grabbing a card and bringing it back. So it's got it looks like it's got elements of Warlord potentially. Yeah. But you I haven't played it. Haven't played it, but there is a YouTube video if anybody wants to check it out, you can go to the YouTube video. Mm-hmm. And do you know anything about the show? I know nothing about the show except they're a hidden organization of uh there's an organization of kids called Seekers and it looks to be like an Indiana Jones kind of vibe where they're out looking for artifacts. What age group? Yu-Gi-Oh? Yeah, definitely right down the middle. Um so that'll be interesting and, and is something to look out for. Um, in that same vein, another release that's coming out is Battle Spirits, uh, created by Mike Elliott, whom we all know from Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, and designer from Wizards, uh, uh, very talented. Yeah, it's a good, really good game. Have you played it? I have seen it played. Demoed, yeah. yeah. I played it. I played it uh, with him. Yeah, I, I've, I haven't played it at all. But apparently it's the, uh, the number three game in Japan behind Duel Masters and Yu-Gi-Oh!, and uh, they're bringing it here. So can you talk about the game a little bit since you guys have seen it? Uh, well, uh, it's a, a trading card game with elegant mechanics. It's uh, got uh, um, it's got monsters on all the cards. So superficially, it uh, looks uh, you know looks like a Yu-Gi-Oh type of product uh, with a monster on every card and uh, and, uh, and and moves and things like that. Um, it plays very quickly and uh, and uh, has a lot of strategy. Yeah, I, I apparently it's coming. At, they're going to show it at Gamma in April, and uh, yeah, I don't know that much more about it. I assume they're bringing TV with it. I know it's from Bondi. I think there's a TV show in Japan. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, there there is TV in Japan. Is what I've heard, and uh, and uh, some of the mechanics in it are reminiscent of uh, Duel Master, which uh, Mike Elliott was one of the principal designers on. So uh, um, you know, that's not surprising. Uh, yeah, and they've announced that it's going to be exclusive to the Hobby Channel through 2009, which is kind of an interesting move, given that uh, you know the mass markets where all where moms and the kids go, 
how do you feel about that move? Well, maybe the TV is being delayed or something like that. Uh, th that's the only thing I, I, the only reason I could see. The, the, it's obviously more difficult to get distribution in, um, uh, you know, out, outside of the hobby, and per perhaps that has something. To, those things might be tied together. T TV is critical for it uh, to go big. Uh, Duel, Duel Master was very successful uh, in in Japan, but uh, it's it, it was kind of flat in the states, partially because maybe mostly because the TV show was flat. Excellent. Well, uh, in in our last news item, apparently a guy named Rick Edelman, uh, who worked with Decipher, he was the VP of Finance. He has pled guilty in a in a circuit court in I'm not sure where to uh, 12 counts of embezzlement to the tune of 1.5 million dollars. He took that out of Decipher in uh, it looks like 2000 2001. Um, he faces a maximum sentence of 12 years, um, and you know I. That's kind of interesting. We've we've known a, a fair a little bit about uh, graft when at our time at Wizards of the Coast, correct? No comment. Okay. No comment. <laughs> well, uh, and so yeah, I think that, you know decipher one point five million dollars must have been a fair amount of their profits for that year for those years. But yeah, maybe more than a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, and but one thing when I was looking at at Decipher is that they have a new TCG coming out called Fight Club with KLUB, uh, and apparently you need an invitation to join Fight Club. And and uh, I looked around and apparently nobody's talking about it, which I guess might be part of the uh, marketing campaign. But yeah, I've, I've heard you you hang out in uh, parking lots late at night and you might get an invitation from somebody. <laughs> uh, I haven't gotten one yet, so I don't know anything about the game. But you spend a lot of time in parking lots later. Uh, I've I've been hanging out, waiting. Uh, I've you know been offered other things, but not uh, not invitations to Fight Club. I, I should mention that uh, this problem with embezzlement is uh, is uh, not a big problem in the game industry, just because the game industry makes so little money, uh, except at the top. The other thing about the Fight Club thing is is it seems like it's uh, built on some kind of deliberate pyramid scheme from what i can tell it looks like if you are a mentor and you recruit somebody you get some kind of percentage on how many packs they buy which i don't understand at all but it seems like it's it's an interesting time to try something like that is is the embezzlement guy still working for the club uh, he might be but uh, it seems it seems unlikely he he was the uh, uh brother-in-law of the founder of decipher so you never know he might this might be his uh, his way out in the the game Monopoly, you can work very well from jail. So <laughs> that's a good point. All right, we're on to our our main topic for the day, which is Dungeons and Dragons and cooperative games. Um, it begs the question: Is Dungeons and Dragons a cooperative game? Uh, not not the way my group generally plays it. Are you the, are you the DM in your in your campaign? No, 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 no. I'm just someone who no one listens to. I see. Well, they're listening to you now. Is there anything you'd like to say? Uh, I think I think Dungeons and Dragons uh, it, it it really depends on the playgroup whether it's a cooperative game or not. In that, sometimes the way some people play, I I don't even think it's a game because the the you know you're going to win ahead of time. It's more of a joint storytelling experience, uh, and sometimes uh, the dungeon master is very antagonistic to the players and takes things personally. And in those situations, I think it's almost um, sort of a, a very asymmetrical competitive game. Uh, but the way the vast majority of people play, I would say, yeah, it is a cooperative game um, where, where it's right down the middle. 
where the dungeon master is really more of a referee, almost a part of the system. And then the, the group of players is attempting to cooperatively play um, and successfully meet whatever challenge has been set up. So, yeah, in general, it's a cooperative game. What about other cooperative games? Is there, is there, an, are there other games that are similar in that way? Where you have a, a referee that's, whose job is to essentially create balance between the goal and the players? Well, there's uh, there's not so many. I mean, all, all role-playing games, uh, it, well, m the vast majority of role-playing games work that way. But uh, there are a bunch of cooperative games where, uh, where uh, people work on the same side and the rules of the game uh, act as the, as the uh, moderator. I think the biggest category there is computer games. There's a lot of computer games that work that way. Um, that's how most MMRPGs work, um, where, you know, the program is taking over the role of the Dungeon Master, and, you know, things like Halo or whatever, or, or Gears of War is a really good example, where you are supposed to play as a team versus the computer. That's probably maybe the primary mode to play. Well, contrast the differences between having a computer that's providing the rule set and keeping track of the state and everything versus a human being able to do that. Well, like, like I said, I think with a, with a human, you know, the the at least the ideal f for me when I'm playing is that when when the when the dungeon master is actually working a lot like the machine is working, uh, where where they really are there to to more adjudicate the rules and things can go poorly or they can go well. And the, the, the biggest difference, I think, is because it is a person, they can sometimes uh, want to help the players too much, in which case, it, like I said, it's, it's less of a game and more of a joint uh, storytelling experience. And then, and then sometimes they, they really, they, you know, they really start to get mad that the players have done something they're not expecting or that they don't feel the way it should go. And it can be pretty antagonistic, and then it's more of a two-sided sort of affair. But um, yeah, the cooperative games work pretty well, where you've got sort of a, a deist view of the universe. You've got a, 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 a god set the the game in motion, and now it's operating by clockwork. And uh, and uh, in most role-playing games, you've got uh, uh, the the person who's adjudicating that you know might might actually mess with the clockwork mechanisms. And, and these are obviously personal opinions. A lot of people really like when uh, a lot of people really like it when you know they're they are going to automatically win because of because that's what the dungeon master is doing but um you know every, everybody's different you touched on something interesting when you when you talked about the cooperative storytelling aspect of it let me ask a question when you guys were first putting magic together did you feel like when you were playing games of magic that you were telling stories that you were creating stories no <laughs> not even a little bit yeah, and and I asked that question actually. I was in front of a group of students uh, talking about story in games, and I asked that question, and nobody said that. And then I asked them about World of Warcraft also, and they said, in no way did they feel like it's a storytelling experience. And I think the main difference between the those is that there is a human referee guiding you towards uh, telling that story together. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like it's a storytelling experience when I play Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, I thought I thought you said earlier that you did feel that you way. You said some sessions. I, I said way. sometimes the dungeon master can uh, take it upon themselves to make sure that no matter what happens, there's a success going on from the player's perspective. And in that circumstance, when the dungeon master is no longer impartial, but really trying to help the players win, that moves it toward the cooperative storytelling experience. So let's talk about other cooperative games that people like. Um, Shadows over Camelot. 
was kind of a, a big cooperative game that a lot of hardcore gamers talk about. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a pretty interesting game, um, and it's uh, only semi cooperative in that uh, there is uh, usually an antagonist, uh, somebody on the other side. Um, this category of game in board games is not actually very big. There's not many of them. Uh, there's uh, uh, the Lord Call of, the of Cthulhu uh, cooperative game. There's the uh, Lord of the Rings cooperative game, uh, um, and a handful of others. Pandemic recently. Um, one of the major problems with that form of game, uh, they're fun to play for a little while, but once you solve it, uh, you don't have an arms race against an opponent. You've got an arms race against a uh, game system. And so that, that helps the Shadows of Camelot a lot because you can get better or worse uh, uh, traders. Well, the War Warhammer Quest stuff works that way, too. Because there's a human... No, no, no. I mean, they, they're they're also a cooperative game. Yeah, uh, Warhammer Quest is is, is cooperative. Uh, um, There's Betrayal at House on the Hill, which was a Wizards Avalon Hill release. Another with a with a traitor among you. Yeah. Uh, and those sort of get into different ca into a, a almost a different category. Uh, they they kind of feel like cooperative games, but uh, but they do end up being two sides: Shadow Over Camelot and Betrayal at House on the Hill. Um, with and generally an asymmetrical. Very, yeah. very asymmetrical, um, which uh, adds to the feeling that it's a co-op game and that just one person is sort of uh, outside the game. Yeah, you mentioned Pandemic, and Pandemic is is a pretty purely cooperative game. Oh, very. Uh, uh, although I've, I've heard that the expansion, uh, uh, which is being designed by Tom Lehman, is going to add a second side to it. Somebody's going to play the disease, so that, that should be fun. Dated her. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the big problems with uh, with these games in general is the problem of people uh, making your decisions for you. Uh, when I'm playing Pandemic, uh, the first time I was playing, I didn't know how to play, and somebody's telling me how to play, and uh, and you and they were telling me what I should do, and and that's something I've run into in all these games, uh, including uh, 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 Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and uh, but there are things in the better ones which mitigate that, uh, including uh, especially in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, uh, yeah, my main problem with Dungeons and Dragons is when um, the other players don't listen to the decisions <laughs> I've made. <laughs> that's kind of annoying. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's 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 why why playing uh, computer games is so much better. The computer listens to you. Um, yeah, so so in pan, in uh, in uh, a game like Pandemic, uh, uh, if if uh, somebody's telling you what to do, uh, if there's a, a group of four people, at its best, it's like a group problem solving. But in practice, often there's one person who's played before, or two people who are really good at the game, and other people uh, listen to what they suggest they do, and then they they do it if they want to win it, and they uh, if they want more of a challenge, they do what they think they ought to do. Yeah, and, and everything everything just breaks down. The great the great saving grace of Dungeons and Dragons is that even though you're all trying to win, you're not all trying to make optimal decisions uh, at every point. That's the whole role playing aspect, which which I, I think is maybe underrated in terms of it solving this problem. Like I, I can tell you that you shouldn't uh, charge into battle, but you're the or half orc barbarian, so you're going to charge into battle, and and it's difficult for me to say. I mean, I've never heard anyone say, uh, you know, I think you're not quite role playing well. Perhaps you should do this or that because that would feel more like yourself. Um, so this is an interface where the flavor in the world very much impacts mechanically what goes on in the game. 
Well, it's more than flavor in the world. It is the idea of role-playing. Uh, there's a lot of flavor in a game like uh, 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 World of Warcraft, um, and some people do role-play there, but, but really most people are just playing it as a game. Uh, they do whatever they think is tactically the best. And it is, that's a, it is a cooperative game. When you put together a, a, a party on a raid, everybody has their role. They're all working together against the system to try to, to beat the mob. Yeah, generally. It's a, it's a cooperative game. Uh, so it's way more to do with the flavor. It's this uh, this uh, uh, this idea that you're supposed to be playing a character, and so sometimes you're going to uh, make decisions based on what you think that character would do, rather than uh, what you think would help you win the game. And I think that's that's a much more critical thing in um, in paper table tabletop games because there's very few of those that have the the press, you know time pressure in a in a in a computer game. Um, it, it, it generally you have this time pressure where it's it's almost impossible for people to um, to play your position. You know you can't have someone say uh, in Counter Strike, oh you better aim down fifteen pixels to the southeast or whatever to to shoot the the person. Things are just happening much too fast, and um, and so yeah, so so, so that that help really helps solve the problem there. Um, so you don't really need the role playing as much as I think you do in a game like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, when when there's time pressure, a lot of this, uh, a lot a lot of games, a lot of games can handle this uh, this uh, problem of people telling you what to do with time pressure. If uh, if you're on a team shooter, for example, and somebody tells me what to do, um, you know that that may bother me. It may make me feel uh, I may like it because they're giving me a tactical. Uh, uh, a, a tactical direction, but no matter what they tell me, they aren't the ones taking the shot. They're not the ones, uh, whatever, seizing the battlement or, or sniping or, or, or whatnot. I'm still doing that. So when you guys were designing the most co-op game ever, Schizoid, available now on Xbox Live and up for awards, many awards, uh, were, do you believe that the time pressure is is what makes that game work? I can't tell you what to do because there's this pressure of enemies coming in on me. Did you did you consider that? Well, well, Schizoid takes a pretty heavy-handed view toward it in that uh, you 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 literally can't progress unless you're cooperating, and um, and and in addition to that, there is the time pressure. It's it's almost as though the game is forced to be cooperative, and then the time pressure uh, is 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 making you be communicative as well as cooperative. So, hey, yeah. did, did you think about a role-playing element? <laughs> yeah. <they're>, well, <laughs> no. I'm um, feeling blue today. Are you feeling red? I think I'm gonna kill red guys today instead of blue uh, for a change. Actually, one problem that that Schizoid does have is because it has the cooperative thing going on at the same time that the time pressure thing's going on. I, I think people get confused as to is this a reflex game or is this a puzzle game. And it's both. It's right exactly down the middle, and uh, and I think we found uh, through some testing, you know, that that that's a that's a difficult place to be because there's so few things that are that are right there. It's it's more akin to I don't know playing a sport really than 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 most computer games, and so you uh, yeah you're you're right you're right in between. Well, team teams team sports are cooperative games. Well, they're not cooperative in the sense we've been using, where uh, where where they're, everybody's on the same team. There's team sports typically have two teams, but but the dynamics on the team certainly uh, 
do work similar. And if you view the other team as being the game system or whatever, then it is exactly the same. Yeah, you can think of you you can think of cooperative games as two sided, highly asymmetric games. Maybe you've got a, a robot playing against you or 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 whatever. But in a lot of ways, they're very similar to um, to to sports from the perspective of of a particular team. So. It, and, and actually, the, the uh, one thing that sports tend to do that's really good is it's very similar, uh, you know, back to the computer, the one-sided cooperative computer games we're talking about, where there's generally this time pressure. It's very difficult for people to play your position. Uh, sorry, it's impossible for people to play your position, and um, and it's very difficult for them to even uh, tell you a, a lot of what you're supposed to do. They, they're, they're generally giving you some big strategy advice, uh, like, you know, in Team Fortress, if someone tells you to, you know, move to the left and, and snipe. Although I, I should say that you do see some of it, even though uh, sports solves uh, this problem, the, the, this problem of, 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 uh, that we've been talking about of team dynamics uh, by being very time intensive. You still do get some of that, and if you play like uh, basketball with a much much better player than everybody else, the the uh, I I play games where it's just toss the ball to him and uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, and and you that's sort of an analogous problem to uh, somebody playing your position. Yeah, and, and even worse than that is uh, is when someone's maybe not. The best player, but they're still telling you what to do. <laughs> but they think they are. <laughs> well, well, at least they think they're the coach. You know, the the player coach. Everyone's played a pickup game where someone is is telling you exactly like you need to go here, set set me a screen right now, and all, all this sort of stuff. And and that that's uh, yeah, so it does happen. It's right. Just, so well, there's two two types of uh, of uh, um. Uh, two cases there there's uh, people telling you strategically what to do and then you're doing it or choosing not to as you uh, uh, as you decide and then there's uh, this person is just better than you so they should you should make them play as much as possible and that can lead to very boring games I've played games of basketball and ultimate frisbee and uh, a bunch of other games where it's it's basically I just stand there and occasionally toss the ball to the big man and that's the right thing to do because that's how you're going to win. Right, and so they're not playing my position. They're just the only relevant uh, actor on the field, or maybe there's two of them. So what other uh, cooperative games have you played recently that are interesting? Uh, well, uh, uh, you lent me Break the Safe, uh, which was a, a Milton Bradley board game. Mattel. From a few, oh, yeah, that's right. Mattel board game, thank you, from a few years back, uh, which I'd never seen. Uh, it's got a kind of cool element uh, in that it's got... Uh, a real clock which uh, ticks ticks down, and so the the game itself lasts uh, thirty minutes. So the faster you play, the better you do. But as a turn-based board game, I, I take my turn, then my then then the turn order goes clockwise, and uh, um, and uh, so you're motivated to move very, to take your turns fast. Uh, I played this with my kids. It's very appropriate for kids. Uh, you you run around the the base and try to find the 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 key to the uh, the safe of the evil guy's lair, I think it was called. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, our first game was a photo finish. It was a, a lot of fun. We, we did beat it. Um, although then uh, my kids played with some of their friends, and they had a fun time, but they didn't play anymore. And that was because uh, one of the friends they sat down with uh, told them what moves to make. And, 
and and so that gets back to you know brings us back to this uh is a general problem with team dynamics in in games uh uh it's nice if you uh uh for some reason can't be told what to do now the time pressure uh here doesn't really work in the same way as with a sports game or in a computer game because um everybody's not taking their turn at the same time it's tyler's turn and so now uh and now everybody can tell him what to do yeah <laughs> and then it's my turn and everybody can tell me what to do um that's very different than we're all taking our turn at the same time so if i tell you what to do then i'm taking away from my uh from my effectiveness um it does uh what, so so we've got uh, two ways of uh handling this uh this problem of people uh uh, telling each other what to do too heavy-handedly. One is the role-playing, one is the time pressure. Another that you see in a lot of these games is uh, uh, hidden information, uh, which you're not allowed to tell. Uh, so in, um, in, in most of these games, there's cards, and you're not allowed to tell people what, what's on your cards. Well, I've always found that we just work around that and infer what we have or talk about what we don't have so that we are... In, inversely talking about what we do have oh, and and be, or sometimes you can accidentally drop your card on yeah i mean that's so it's a really difficult i i found I hate when that happens i found hit information in those games really hard to stick to the spirit of it you know it, it it is it's really tough uh the the uh uh the rules in them typically say you can't show other people your cards but you can talk about general strategy and and so we we run into situations like uh I'm not telling you what card I have, but I will say that if somebody had something which is generally more than a three but less than a five, I might be advised here. And and so then, uh, um, it, it's it's very hard to tell. The the in some games it, it works very poorly. Like Pandemic has cards, but it works. Uh, it does not work at all like this because you need to know everybody's specific cards. In fact, the rules of the game say you can tell people what your cards are, and then they make this uh and then they have this other rule but you can't show them what you have of course they're on your team so there's no reason to lie so it just be, means that there's a memory game yeah and so so you've you've outlined three things role playing time pressure and hidden information are is, are there others that as game designers you would look at when designing a cooperative game in order to sort of preclude this idea of Either the group think or the one player taking the lead. Sure. Well, one thing that does happen in Dungeons and Dragons, and, and this it's sort of tied to time pressure, so it's not co a completely separate subject. But the um, the 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 just the general complexity of the situation, and and that um, and that is where the moves are can be so complicated in some of these games that. For the average playing audience, where, where you know, let's say your IQ differential is less than 100 or 200 across the group, um, the, uh, th that you really do need to specialize because there's just too much information going on. Now, sometimes Dungeons and Dragons breaks down because you know one person is good enough or has enough experience that they can play everyone's position, but or think they have enough, experience. or think they have enough. But most of the time that I've played Dungeons and Dragons, uh, the not all the players, but the majority of the players uh, are better at playing themselves than one player, than one particular player there is. Now, 
unfortunately, most of the time I've played Dungeons and Dragons, the worst player in the group probably should just be played by the best player. But uh, but but the the complexity because because you typically have a two hundred point IQ differential. Uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> Um, yeah, but 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 uh, and and th- I think that's a really nice uh, nice situation if you can achieve it, and, and that and that it, it's somewhere it's somewhere similar to uh, throwing back to the, the the time pressure that you have in sports or whatever, where it's really not possible to optimally play other people's positions. Um, so I, I think Dungeons Dragons leans on that a little bit as well as the the role playing aspect. So. Yeah, another one is controlling the communication. Uh, you see that uh, uh, well. You see that in team games, like in uh, uh, Bridge. One of the things that's most fascinating about Bridge is that you're not allowed to talk about the game while you're playing it. Uh, you have to uh, coordinate with your partner. The hand signals ahead of time. <laughs> you have to coordinate with your partner entirely, supposedly entirely through your bids and your card play, which is uh, a great state to be in. Uh, um, and and we've actually uh, made some cooperative games a lot better that way. Like uh, um, my best experience with uh, Shadows Over Camelot has been playing where there was no communication at all about the game. You couldn't talk strategy. Um, and, uh, and of course, this is a downside because we're together, as a, we're playing a social game, and we're not allowed to talk about the game. But, uh, but on the other hand, the game was much, much more challenging than it had been because uh, when you talked about strategy, it, it just became too much uh, people... Uh, deciding as a group what to play, and then some people were less uh, less involved than they would have been. Right, and, that, and that's a huge burden on your playgroup. That's great for experienced gamers, right? Because you've all sort of decided, hey, we're really interested in the game. And as soon as you move to a group where some people are interested in in much more in the social aspect of it than the game, then that that then it's just exactly what you're saying before. Um, the lack of talking can turn people off since their their primary goal although, isn't the challenge. Yeah, game. although although in our in our group after we played a little bit without talking, uh, we realized of course we could still do the social stuff. We can talk about the movies. We can talk about uh, getting coffee. We can talk about uh, you know you you can talk about anything you like. You just can't talk about strategy. Right, but 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 again, you're that's a relatively experienced group of game players. No, it's not like I can hand that off to my parents or whatever and and have them you know sort of intuitively know exactly what they can talk about and what they can well, and what's cheating and what's there's not ab- well there's absolutely no way anybody can play their first game without talking probably yeah. because uh, because you have to know how to play after that most people i think sort of understand what uh, what's strategic about the game uh, what uh, you know what would be breaking the rule you can't talk about the game uh, you know game moves yeah, but do you really think that all the playgroups, even though they knew what was sort of over the limit they're talking about, do you think they all would? Oh, well, stick I think to I think limit? I think players, uh, uh, I th- if they don't, I think it doesn't really matter. I mean, that's that's their that's their just li- just like if uh, if, uh, if people want to. Um, if people want as a group an easier experience, they can get an easier experience. They know when when I say something which is a strategic direction to you, it's like everybody at the table knows I'm doing it. If they allow it, then that's the group's decision. Uh, well, no, that's actually just that one person's decision. Well, I no, mean, it's exactly like just talking about movies. I mean, move it outside the realm of games. We we all have you know sort of as a group, uh, kind of an understanding of what it means to be a spoiler for a film. 
and it doesn't mean that as a group we all stick to that. I mean, no, I, no. Get, I get very annoyed sometimes when some people say, I don't want to hear the ending. I don't want to hear the ending. Well, let me just tell you something that won't give away the ending. And then, of course, it does. In fact, no, but that, we all know one person in particular that does that. that but that's different, uh, I think, uh, uh, because you're not – like this is a group of people I'm choosing to play with. And if somebody is, is moving this in you know, doing what the group feels is cheating – well, you got to deal with that in any game. Like, uh, you know, what if they're just cheating? Or, you know, it's like they're breaking the rules. Uh, if they're giving strategic advice, if everybody agrees that they're allowed to show other people their cards, then then I think that's fine. If 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 uh, uh, you're playing with five people and four of them don't think that's the case, then the other person is simply cheating. And then and then what happens? So you're playing a game of Shadows over Camelot, and well, one what, person what says, happens in a regular "Ooh, game? I got a good hand." Yeah, well, and then you kick them out of the group. What happens no. if some, if you catch somebody but taking five hundred dollars out of the bank in Monopoly? But that's and, exactly the same in every game. If you got cheaters, you got to deal uh, with it. I don't think it's like taking five hundred out. It's saying something general about your hand, or if you're not or, allowed to, that's cheating. And then you would kick that person out of playing at the table. Well, I mean, uh, no, that, but see, I, that's I, the I part that I don't. I would stop playing with them if uh, if they did it game after game or something like that. I mean, uh, the the group sets whatever whatever things they. There's hard rules that uh, you can that uh, that you can break, and then there's there's fuzzy rules. And the thing is that that this rule of you can't talk about uh, the, what you're doing in the game is much much harder than in most games, right? In most cooperative games, in most cooperative games, they say you can talk generally about strategy, but you can't talk about your cards in specific. That's fuzzy. That's hard to, that's much, much harder for, uh, if my parents were sitting down to it, to define what that is. Uh, but it's very, it's much easier to use this rule that you can't talk about the game strategy at all, once you know how to play. Right, but you're you're telling me that you can't transmit information in a fuzzy way by saying how good or bad you think things are or how good or bad you think things are going. I mean, that's the sort of thing that I would think w would be happening that's fuzzy in that sort of situation. Uh, it's, like, it, 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 there still could be like, fuzzy positions, fuzzy cases, but I think it's less fuzzy than you can talk generally about strategy but not about cards in specific, which is what most of these games say. And also, uh, uh, um, in in practice, I just you know I haven't run into that with with most of my groups. I find that uh, I find that when when you play by the rules as they uh, by the rules as they're written, you're in a fuzzorama. Like everything's fuzzy, and they constantly are trying to game how much they can tell you based on what the rules are. But once you once you just say you can't talk about the game strategy, it's much much easier. So if you were public, if you were the game designer and you designed Shadows Over Camelot, would you have published the game with that rule? I wouldn't make it the default because you cannot play your first game that way. You have to be talking about it. But I would uh, absolutely have uh, made it a made it an advanced rule. They've already got several advanced rules for uh, uh, players to increase the challenges. They get better, uh, and that's the most satisfying that I've had. So, is the role of the game designer to give the guidelines to the group, or do you expect in any game you design that that the play group is going to find their own levels on certain aspects of the game that are fuzzy? Uh, I think I think if the if the if the game designer can uh, make it a less fuzzy, that that's 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 a that's a really good thing. Um, yeah, but I, I haven't seen that technique actually used in any game uh, uh, other than I mean team games, uh, t uh, but not not co-op games. I haven't seen any uh, uh, games which uh, may have satisfying lack of communication rules. Uh, like uh, well, I guess uh, in in D and D, I played some games where it was most D and D games I played. You can talk as much as you like, uh, um, but then 
uh, you can transmit official information by uh, using action points. But some games I've played is like you can only say 15 words on your turn and nobody else can answer or something like that. And that's often quite good because then I cannot advise them except in a way which is uh, 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 within the game. Most of my D&D games, there's open table talk um, unless a character is isolated from. But in combat, we can talk and talk and talk and and the DM will just put down his foot and go, okay, let's go. It's time to... That, that's time. what most of my games have been like. Yeah. And, and well, I think I, I've played... The the better games I've played, the Dungeon Master, actually, with, so when someone's making sort of two exact comments, the Dungeon Master says, you know, you've got six seconds on your turn or whatever, which is sort of the the, the role-playing-wise, how much how long your turn is supposed to be, and they'll just say, hey, you know, you know keep it short. Which is good. I think it's something the dungeon master really, a good dungeon master, really needs to be in control of, and that's part of their job as the referee. If someone's not having fun because someone else is, you know, telling them too much what to do, then they they need to remind people that they should be giving, you know, short bursts of information like they would be. Yeah. So, in, so in battle. Some of my best games, however, have been uh, where the dungeon master is very heavy-handed on that. Where once combat begins. If it's your turn, nobody else is talking. Uh, if you want, you you can you do your action, you do whatever you want to do, and that and, and the person who's taking the turn can say something. And so then the communications uh, sometimes lines get cro- uh, uh, strategic lines uh, get crossed, and people uh, people make mistakes more often, and uh, and uh, it's, it, it can be very interesting. And of course, just like with uh, Shadows of Camelot, you can still talk about uh, you know uh, uh, getting some more coffee or, or something. I, I could use some coffee right now, actually. Yeah, so can I. I wonder why that analogy keeps on popping up. Yeah. Oh, um, and there's a fifth one, actually. Uh, I was hoping there was. Yeah, um, uh, which is a motive. Well, this this actually, I guess, doesn't work for cooperative games, but for team games, uh, um, uh, if you're motivated not to tell people the uh, – to communicate with people that that also works uh because so so a game like werewolf is that way uh where or shadows over camelot where um somebody somebody on the team may be a betrayer in shadows over camelot will be a betrayer in uh werewolf and so uh being entirely forthcoming is not in your team's interest. Uh, you have to, or, or, or somebody is motivated not to be forthcoming. Uh, oh, uh, ba- Battlestar Galactica, the game, uh, also has has something like that where there's traitors among you. Um, and so, and so, uh, once again, you've got a, a control control your information uh, method of uh, of, of uh, cooperative slash teamwork game design. Have you ever seen a game where communication as a, an in-game currency, like you had mentioned? that spending an action point to make a comment in a D&D game. Have you ever seen a board game that uses, that, you know, combines the, the currency in the game with communication? Uh, we've talked about it. I don't, I don't think I've yeah, seen it. Uh, we've talked about it a lot. We really want to do something like that. I, I love the idea of a game where, where people are, whatever, moving around the tracks, trying to solve some uh, a, a big cooperative uh, a, a problem or, or, or a team problem. And then when your pawn is in a particular space, you're allowed to talk. Right, and so at other times you have to be quiet, and uh, and I think it, I think I think something like that would be uh, just uh, uh, w- would would be a really interesting area. Right on. Well, we'll look for that in the future. We're just about out of time, so any last comments? Which let's just close it out with a question. What's your what's your favorite cooperative game? Uh, I guess Dungeons and Dragons with a good dungeon master. 
Are you a good dungeon master? Uh, I guess you'd have to ask my players. I think some have said yes. At some point. Richard, do you have a favorite cooperative game? Uh, I think that uh, I think that uh, role-playing games are the uh, premier cooperative game and really you can't talk to them. All right, that's three for three. I'll agree with that. So thanks, everybody, for downloading and listening to the podcast. We will be back in a week or so with another one. Uh, you can make comments on the blog at the Three Donkeys website. Thank you very much. Good night.